T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. And here we go! There's a man open left side, caught! It's Touchdown at 10 with Russell and Medhurst. All right, Touchdown at 10. It's a Friday. You know what it's all about. It's about previewing Washington and its upcoming opponent and going around the league. No one better than Jordan DeJani from CBS Sports to join us here on a Friday morning. Jordan, Pete, and Chris here in D.C. Appreciate a few minutes today. How are you, sir? Hey, hey, my friends. What's going on? Really appreciate you guys having me on the show. Absolutely, Jordan. Good to uh, be with you as well. You can make sure you check out Jordan's work at cbssports.com and follow him if you're not already doing so at Jordan DeJohnny. So um, let's start with this before we spin around the NFL. Uh, you're based in Nashville. You have some connections here uh, to the D.C. area, so you know these two franchises well. What's the biggest difference besides, well, Derrick Henry in your mind for – the plight of the Titans, who were the number one seed in the playoffs and threw up all over themselves last January to the Bengals, and, of course, the Commanders. Is it is it ownership? Because it seems like there's a wacky ownership situation down in Tennessee, or is it maybe the coaching staff where Mike Vrabel has seemingly done, by all accounts, a really good job? Yeah, I love it. I love that I feel like I'm playing double agent right now, right? I'm helping the Washington radio guys preview the Titans and the Titans radio guys preview Washington. Yeah, ownership is obviously a big difference when it comes to the Titans franchise and the Washington franchise. But when you ask me about the biggest difference in terms of how Tennessee's been able to get back on track after two embarrassing losses to open up the regular season, I look at the defensive side of the ball. I think that this front seven is playing huge which is something that they certainly were not playing in the first few weeks. I mean, the run defense looked atrocious against the New York Giants, yet they held Jonathan Taylor to just 2.1 yards per carry last Sunday in that victory over Indy on the road. So this Titans defense is playing a little bit better. I can't say the same for the secondary, but at least the run defense has gotten this team back on track. Jordan, for Tennessee right now, is there a hangover individually for Ryan Tannehill, who was absolutely distraught? with the way he played uh, in that playoff game. And despite a long off season to try and get over it, almost appeared as if there was a smidge of a hangover early in the season. But maybe now that the season is getting going here, Derrick Henry starting to find his best foot. And when he finds his best foot, that usually allows Tannehill to find a little more success as well. Is the trend heading in that direction? great point by you. Uh, Ryan Tannehill was very open about what he went through this offseason. He talked about having to go to therapy and, and crawl out of the dark 
the dark place that he got in um, with that loss against the Bengals. So that was a big question around Tennessee, right? Is Ryan Tannehill going to prove that he's still a legitimate signal caller? Is he going to be able to get over this mental hump? And at this point, I think that he has. It's no secret that this offense does not run through Ryan Tannehill. It runs through Derrick Henry. And you also have to factor in that he's working with a totally new wide receiving core, right? Mm-hmm. A.J. Brown is now a Philadelphia Eagle. Robert Woods wasn't on this team last year. Traylon Burks is a rookie, of course. So it's a very new look wide receiving core that Ryan Tannehill has had to adjust to. And I think he's been pretty solid. Um, he's throwing the ball really confident off of play action as well. And what quarterback wouldn't with Derrick Henry toting the rock? So I like what Tannehill's done so far. And it seems like this offense has started to find at least a little bit more of a groove compared to the first two weeks of action. And they've had some crippling injuries on both sides of the football, too. I mean, losing Taylor Luan as early as they did, uh, you know, for the year, losing uh, Harold Landry in training camp uh, for the year. And now Bud Dupree's banged up. Uh, I don't, uh, he hadn't practiced this week. Did he miss last week? I can't remember if he missed last week or not. But they've had, you know, again, every team's got injuries. But they've had some tough ones, too. And yet they seemingly are trending in the right direction, whereas, of course, the Commandalorians are trending in just the opposite. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think you really have to point to the coaching staff for that. I mean, the Titans are used to suffering these crippling injuries in the preseason, during the regular season, and as they make their playoff run. You look at what happened last year. They ended up the number one seed in the AFC despite playing with what was an NFL record-setting amount of different players due to injury. They didn't have Derrick Henry for half the year. Mm -hmm. Their defense was all banged up, yet this team still made it to the playoffs as the number one seed in the AFC. I think that says a lot about Mike Rabel, who I truly do believe is one of the best coaches in this league. So, yeah, I mean, you look at the replacements. Uh, Dennis Daly has to come in at left tackle. They're pushing Danico Autry from the inside to the outside to help make up for um, Harold Landry's loss. I think this team is doing a really good job of adjusting. And, yeah, you bring up a good point. It seems like they're finding that rhythm and playing their best football, um, even though that there's some crippling injuries on both sides of the ball. Jordan Dijani from CBS Sports joining us here as we talk uh, Commanders, Titans, plus uh, we'll take a tour around the league as well. Jordan, just from afar, uh, what's the view on the Commanders at the quarter poll here as they've not quite been whole, still missing Brian Robinson, who may or may not come back uh, this week, still missing Chase Young, uh, of course, which is a huge storyline here uh, in D.C. What's the what's the uh, view from afar on the Commanders here at the quarter poll? It's really tough because through the first two weeks of action, I was looking at this new Washington offense and saying, man, you know, this looks a little bit refreshed. They actually have some weapons to throw to, and and Carson Wentz is making some solid throws as well. But as the offensive line crippled, that's when the offense crippled as well. I mean, I don't have to go into it. You guys have probably been talking about it all week with Chase Mm -hmm. Rouillet. Wes Schweitzer, Trey Turner got benched, Sam Cosme, I don't know what his status is going to be this weekend. That's obviously directly affected the play of Carson Wentz, and he's a guy, it seems like when you rattle his cage, you're going to have a good chance at beating this team as a whole, and I think that's really the biggest key to success for Tennessee on Sunday is to get to the quarterback. So the, the offense used to, used to look refreshed to me through the first two weeks. The defense has been absolutely abysmal, which is a big problem as well. Um, but Washington, to me, went from a very intriguing team to watch and keep an eye on uh, to what may be one of the worst teams in the league. 
Make sure you check out Jordan's work at CBSSports.com. Follow him, if you're not already doing so, at Jordan Dejani on a Twitter. Uh, all right, so let's. Pete and I spent much of the first hour talking about how atrocious that Thursday night game was. I think everybody understands uh, what we're talking about here. Um, where are you five games into Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett? Are you totally out, like there's no chance this is going to get better? Or do you think this is just kind of a, a an extended blip on the radar screen and eventually they'll figure it out? This is a disaster of what feels like epic proportions. I mean, last night's game felt like a blatant FCC violation with the kind of play that we were forced to watch. It was disgusting. I've never seen home fans rush for the exits yes. as their team was walking to the 50-yard yes. line for the overtime coin toss. Good point. That's, that's Good. never happened before. Especially in yeah. Denver, Jordan. That's they, a loyal fan base oh there. Oh my gosh, I couldn't believe that. You're absolutely right. I forgot about that. It, it's terrible. And that's why it feels like I have to be totally out on this team because I've watched every Broncos game, and all they do is get booed at home, and nothing was different last night. I think it really says something that they not only went to overtime but lost to this Colts team, right? Matt Ryan does not look very good anymore. This wide receiving core has been very inconsistent. The defense is missing several starters. And, of course, now you don't have Jonathan Taylor. A Colts team without Jonathan Taylor may be the worst team in the NFL, yet they just scored a road victory over Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett. I'm definitely teetering on there's no way this is salvageable at this point in the year. And I think blame, we can get into it, but I think the blame is both deserve to be placed on Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. It's not a one or the other thing. I think it's both that have led to these issues. Yeah, no doubt about that. Jordan, let me ask you this. Tom Brady was asked this this week about you know, what's what's the story in the NFL right now? And Brady even said, and, and look, if it comes from Tom, it resonates a little more. There's just a lot of bad football that's being played out there right now. Would you concur with what Tom Brady has observed? Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up because I definitely feel that way too. And, you know, something that I, I try to go look for a stat or something that would help me, you know, try to put this into words, and I, I think I found it. Um, the, the unders, if you're a gambling guy, the unders this year are 36 and 27. And I think that games themselves between two teams were averaging about 42 points in weeks one through three. It feels like we weren't seeing as many points scored compared to last year or even in years previous. And you look at some of these teams that had high expectations, such as the Broncos, um, they've been absolutely abysmal. So I, I, I would agree with that. It definitely feels like the NFL is a bit different. It feels like there's more teams than usual trying to get their sea legs and trying to get going here in the regular season. Uh, well, we were just talking about that before you came on. So the per-game averages, just for what it's worth, uh, and again, pro football reference slightly differs from NFL Jesus. Uh, like per, per pro football reference, this year, per-game average, 21.6 points per game, uh, I guess, per game per team. Uh, last year, Jordan, 23.0, 2020, 24.8. So we are down just about three wow. points per game from 2020, not 2021, 2020. And last year was down from 2020 as well. So, I mean, we're down a two and a half points, a field goal, you know, per team, per game. That's I, That doesn't seem like a big difference, but that's a pretty big difference. 
That's a pretty significant difference. Pete's theory is, and I, I think he's right, you know, you get a lot of these quarterbacks who come in from college, they're playing the spread, they're not under center, they're not playing pro style, what have you, so they are struggling, and then the offensive line injuries seem to be like, pretty much across the board for every team. Like, we think it's just here in Washington or just with the Titans. It's every team is just ransacked with injuries on the offensive line. Yeah, I think that's a great theory, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I really didn't realize it, but, yeah, it seems like so many different teams are dealing with these offensive line injuries. And like I said, it kind of factors into, look at all these teams that we we perceive to be contenders coming into this year. The Buccaneers have looked really gross. The Rams don't look like the reigning Super Bowl champions. The 49ers lost their starting quarterback and have Jimmy Garoppolo now. The Cardinals' Kyler Murray hasn't gotten off to a hot start. The Cowboys lost that Prescott. We can go down the line of all these teams we thought would be contenders that have struggled for one reason or another, and I think that would factor into your theory as well. Jordan DeJohnny, our guest from CBS Sports. Did we overvalue the AFC West? I mean, I think we all thought it was going to be gangbusters. And so far, at least two elements of the division have underachieved. Um, did we did we overvalue the potential of that when we looked at the start of the season and go, wow, the worst quarterback in this division might be Derek Carr, and that's saying something pretty positive considering how well Derek played last year. We absolutely overvalued this division. We thought they were going to be the best division in the NFL. And it's kind of funny because if I were to ask you what's the worst division in the NFL, you would probably say the AFC South. And the AFC South absolutely kicked the the AFC West you-know-what a couple of weeks ago. I think they scored three wins against them. I mean, you look at the Chargers. They were a team that I thought was a legitimate Super Bowl contender coming into this season. But injuries on both sides of the ball have completely dismantled them. The Denver Broncos, we've already talked about being a major disappointment. The Raiders had, had to fight very long to find that first victory, which came against the Denver Broncos last Sunday. And the Chiefs are still alone at the top, as they have been for the last seven years or so. We absolutely overvalued this division. We thought they could score three playoff teams at least, and it doesn't look like that's going to happen. Jordan Dejani with us. Uh, elsewhere around the NFC East, I mean, we know, we know the Eagles are, are, are really good. I don't think anybody would question that. I mean, maybe they got away with one a little bit last week. They were pushed uh, a little bit by Jacksonville, who, again, if they don't turn the ball over as much, maybe they win that game, what have you. Philadelphia's really good. Dallas, we think they're good. We know they're really good on defense. Uh, the Giants, I don't know, is still a mystery meat to me. <laughs> Yeah, to be honest with you, where how do you kind of handicap and size up the division? Is it clearly Philadelphia and then Dallas uh, and then the Giants, or is there an argument that can be made that the Cowboys, because of their defense and because they've done some of their three and one damage here without Dak, really the the three wins, you know, is still right there on the one line with Philadelphia. You know, I would argue that the Eagles are, are the front runner right now in the NFC East. I have no problem saying that. This is something that I did not predict preseason, like so many, by the way. But I think the way that the, the Philly's been playing on both sides of the ball, right? We talk about the defense for the Cowboys that has really stood out. The defense for the Eagles has really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. I think that can serve as the legitimate backbone of this team you know, as they progress through the regular season. The offense is going to get the headlines. And Jalen Hurts is going to get MVP hype. I get that. But I think what the Eagles are doing defensively is what really makes them a good team. Now, as for the Cowboys, I have to put them at number two because – 
we don't know what this team's going to look like with Dak Prescott coming back. And listen, I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy in Big D, but Cooper Rush has looked better at quarterback than Dak Prescott did through the first three quarters of the regular season where the Cowboys mastered just three points. So I think it's kind of a question mark to see what Dallas is really capable of once they get Dak Prescott under center. We'll have to wait to see that. As for the Giants, what you described them as mystery meat, I think that's very accurate. I think they've made a great hire in Brian Gable. I absolutely love that guy because I kind of look a little bit like him. But, <laughs> I mean, this team still isn't. This team still isn't. This team still isn't. You know, world beaters, right? I think a three and one is a pretty faulty record at this juncture. Daniel Jones, I don't think he's going to be the franchise quarterback. I wonder if they've already made up their mind with that. Not to say he's a terrible signal caller, but in terms of being the future of the franchise, that's tough. Saquon Barkley obviously is back. Um, the defense has been okay, but the Giants' 3-1 record is a little bit faulty. I still think I'd have them above the commanders in my power rankings right now, though. Hey, you led me into my next question, and, and the Giants maybe meet some of this criteria. So far here in the first quarter, the biggest overachiever and the biggest underachiever. Sorry, you're talking about the conference or just in, in the terms NFL? Of the, just in terms of the teams in the NFL overall. Yeah, I think the biggest overachiever, um, you know, might be the Miami Dolphins. I think I'm very intrigued by this team, and I love their new first-year head coach in Mike McDaniel. I think he has a legitimate case to be the coach of the year. One of the most talented run game schemers and play drawers in the world, in my opinion. And it seems like he's got this franchise back on track very quickly. So I'm interested to see what Miami does. Um, you know, they're technically ahead of the Bills right now in the AFC East, so I think that says something. Now, as for underachiever, I'm sorry, but I can't bring – I just can't help but bring up the Denver Broncos once again. I mean, this was a team that had legitimate Super Bowl aspirations once they got that quarterback in place. And I can understand why. I, when looking at this roster on paper, I thought they could be contenders as soon as they got consistency at the quarterback position. But that hasn't happened with the addition of Russell Wilson – when you're getting booed like that throughout all these home games in the early stretch of the regular season, that says something. The Broncos are the biggest underachievers in the NFL so far. Yeah, um, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. It, it, it really is. Um, as far as Mike McDaniel, uh, listen, I, I mean, you know, everybody knows how many great head coaches <laughs> the Commanders slash Redskins organization has allowed. Mike McDaniel is just one other example, but he's under a lot of fire now for the way – you know, the whole Tua situation has worked out. Now, they quickly ruled Tua out this week, uh, which by all accounts is the right thing. How do you think McDaniel has come out in the wash here? And do you blame him like some others uh, have in terms of allowing Tua to go back in that Buffalo game and then to start last Thursday night's game against Cincinnati? Or do you separate that and say, listen, man, that's on the doctors, that's on the independent neurologist, uh, the coach is just the coach, and he can just go based on what the doctors tell him. How do you, how do you work that out in the wash for you? Yeah, that's a great question. And to answer it, uh, Mike McDaniel did not come out of the wash smelling too nice, right? right. Not to say that he's the main guy to blame, but I think it said something. If you watch that press conference after the game against the Bengals, he was almost confused by the reporter's questions because everyone was talking about the concussion, right? Everyone's talking about Tua Tagovailoa, and Mike McDaniel doesn't have Twitter, so he doesn't know that he's trending every which way on social media. <laughs> yes. he, he, he basically told reporters, you know, listen, I listened to the doctors. They gave the green light. That's how the protocol works. So, you know, he has a point there, right? Mike McDaniel's not the main reason that Tua Tagovailoa started last Thursday night. 
at the same time, I think it, it's probably fair to place a little bit blame on him, right? I mean, I'm sure that he saw Tua stumble when he got hit by Matt Milano of the Buffalo Bills that, of that other Sunday previous before that Thursday game. He probably saw that, and you know, maybe another, maybe another head coach that, uh, maybe there's another head coach that would say, you know what, I, I think that he had a head injury. I don't think he should be playing. Maybe there is a coach like that, but I don't think Mike McDaniel deserves too much blame. It obviously is on that independent doctor that cleared to a tongue about Lola. It's on the Dolphins' medical staff as well, and uh, the NFL is obviously trying to make this situation right. They fired their independent guy that cleared to a tongue about Lola in the locker room. And it looks like we're going to see some changes to protocol as well since this was such a high-profile case. Jordan, we'll let you out on this. Uh, two and two teams on Sunday night. It's a good early season AFC North showdown. Bengals, Ravens. Which team is trending in the better direction going into this game coming up in Baltimore on Sunday night? Yeah, in terms of what seems trending in the better direction, it's no doubt that it's the Cincinnati Bengals, right? They, they've got a couple of wins under their belt now after a very slow start. As for the Ravens, I think they're my favorite team to watch in the NFL because on one side, they have an extremely explosive offense, but on the flip side, they have the worst defense in the entire National Football League. So you're going to see points. You're going to see excitement. And every Ravens game has really been exciting if you've watched it. So I think the Bengals are turning in the right direction. But in terms of a winner or picking it against the spread, that's very tough. Uh, I want to lean towards the Ravens, but we know that Joe Burrow has had so much success throwing against the secondary, and the Ravens' defense looks as bad as ever. So buckle in, sit down, and watch this game. It's going to be a very exciting one. Jordan, great stuff. Appreciate the visit on this Friday, and enjoy the football weekend. Absolutely. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Jordan. You got it. Jordan Najani from CBS Sports joining us, previewing the NFL weekend. All right, final half of the show. We're at halftime here. You know what it's going to be. Titans, Commanders, will also in the 11 o'clock hour, touch on the baseball playoffs that get underway coming up today. A lot of good storylines there. Remember, the wild cards are not single game anymore. They are best of three series. We'll do that between now and noon right here on Russell and Medhurst on the Team 980 in the Odyssey app. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. You know, 
Russell Wilson was the toast of the NFL and has been for a long time. Now you can't find this morning the amount of criticism being heaped on Russell Wilson makes the criticism on Carson Wentz looks kind of pedestrian right now based on how much Russ is getting from all sides this morning. All analysts, guys that you would think in many cases, Chris, would be trying to protect him a little bit, trying to insulate him a little bit. No, they're bringing that paddle to that backside and giving it to Russell Wilson this morning for the way he's playing right now with the Broncos, in particular with the way he played last night. The question ultimately for Russell Wilson is how does he answer adversity? Because we're asking the same question about Carson Wentz and Washington heading into this Tennessee game this week about how they handle the adversity. One of his weapons is likely to be down in Jahan Dotson because of that hamstring issue. Maybe, and just maybe, the inspirational lift that they may get this week from having not only Brian Robinson around, but Brian Robinson in practice, and Chris, certainly not out of the realm of possibility, Brian Robinson being in uniform on Sunday for this Washington team. Is it the kind of lift? And again, I I equate it to making a trade without giving up any assets. The same thing will happen when Chase Young comes back to the lineup. There's going to be an initial euphoria, initial lift of excitement with each player returning as they come back to the lineup. The question ultimately is, is it enough to help this team get turned around in the right direction? Because as we said, there is opportunity over the next 10 days to be 3-3, three and three, and you're looking at your season completely different because you look around the league right now, Chris, there's a lot of 2-2 two and two attached to all the teams around the National Football right, League. Right. If you get there, the math stays in your favor. You could also end up 1-5 or 2-4, and four, and you're really digging out of a huge hole. Yeah, a lot of, lot of different scenarios, you know, obviously. Uh, or I play, well, three different scenarios are at play. Either you're 3-3, three 2-4, and three, two and four, or 1-5. and five. Clearly, you want to be three and three. If they're two and four, you know, it's better than one and five, but it's not much better, especially when you consider this is the, the this was considered to be the somewhat easy, somewhat soft part of the schedule. Whatever. Here's what I would say um, on Sunday, and I don't know this, but every indication from what they've said on the record, and I haven't asked. Privately, so I, I, I'm just not going to do that. Pete, I get the sense that they are going to dress Brian Robinson. They are going to have Brian Robinson active, but that he is going to have a very, very small role and might not even, might not even actually tote the rock unless they feel they need a major, major injection of life. And what I mean by that is I think they think he needs more time to get ready and to get into football shape. Remember we talked about this yesterday, what Ron had said on Wednesday. Scott Turner was very hesitant, very coy as well. Um, They want to be careful with him. Remember what happened week four of last year in Atlanta, and I screamed about it, and I turned out to be right. They were just, oh, Curtis Samuel, yeah, he's going to be active. Guys, 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 guys. And it was four catches, 25 yards in that game. Yeah, I know, but they, but he played like 25 snaps. Mm-hmm. And they did not – They the plan was to like play him 15 snaps or whatever it was. 
Well, guys, 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 guys turned into a lot of snaps, and then he was hurt the next week again, and then he was done, basically. My point is is that I I truly believe they learned a lesson from last year in that particular instance. I don't believe they want to be in a situation where they think Brian Robinson is going to be the first down ball carrier on first down out of the shoot Sunday after. I'd be very surprised by that. There's no reason for it, to be honest with you. As we've discussed, Jonathan Williams was pretty good last week. J.D. McKissick is going to be active, and your primary third down back. Antonio Gibson, essentially, because Jahan Dotson's likely going to be down, Antonio Gibson, again, can be a wide receiver, a, a part running back, part jet sweep guy, kick return. I mean, you can... I mean, the hell with Dax Milne. No offense to Dax Milne. The biggest thing Dax Milne's got going for him is he's bopping uh, the Jets quarterback's girlfriend. That's it. Who cares about Dax Milne? Sit him down. I don't care. Like, have four running backs active. Have Brian Robinson come out of the damn tunnel and fire up the crowd. Whatever, whoever is there. Here's what the commanders should do. If the commanders are smart and... If the commanders are smart, and I'll just leave it as that. What? If the commanders are smart, I'm trying. I'm trying not to make a joke here. If the commanders are smart, you've said that problem. seven times I now. I'm, tr- I'm trying to stop myself from being a jerk. I'm trying, I'm trying to stop myself from being a jerk. Next thing you know, he calls the chicken police on me. <laughs> they will have one person, one person come out of that damn shoot with the fireworks. One. Is that Brian, number, number Brian, eight? Brian Robinson. Okay. And fire up the 30,000 that are going to be there. And Will get, he choke on the smoke that comes along well, with I it usually? Not. I hope not. That dude deserves it, number one, even though he's never played an NFL regular season game. He's played one preseason game. Uh, Did he play in the Kansas City preseason game? I think he did. Two preseason games. One at home. And he scored a touchdown in the one at home. He deserves it because of what he's overcome. This is the reason you're going to this game. Not because of Carson Wentz, not because of the Commanders. I mean, obviously, if you're a season ticket holder, you're likely to go to this game anyway, still hope, whatever. There's one reason to go to this game, and that's Brian Robinson to see if he can give this offense and this team a shot of something, not in their buttocks, not what Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Susser were doing. No, 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 no. A shot of life. And I think they should celebrate him, and I think they should put the stage on him, and I think he should be the only one out of the shoot, out of the tunnel, when they introduce one or the – like they introduce um, you know, the offense usually or the defense. They introduce the defense against the Philadelphia Eagles. They did not introduce Wentz and the offense against the Eagles. Think about that. That was at a time where the defense was still just getting pummeled, and Wentz and the offense was still – thought to be pretty high they should do one person tomorrow uh sunday i'm sorry to f- th- this is the only chance they have of of making their fan base feel inspired getting their fan base early into the game uh 
maybe getting a, a big lift, but from a usage standpoint, I wouldn't expect to see Brian Robinson have any more than, I don't know, five, six, seven carries tops. That'd be all right, though, because that means they're easing him back into the fold. They're using yeah. common sense. But at the same time, if he starts ripping off runs, it's going to be very hard not to. What you hope that allows you to do, though, is allow Scott Turner then to utilize Williams and or Gibson and McKissick also alongside. Because remember, they spread those carries out last week. Gibson had 13, and then McKissick and Williams had 13 between them. So now if you hand the ball off five or six more times to Robinson, you add him to that fold, especially if he's productive, then to me that enhances your running game. You ran the football effectively last week against Dallas. So from that standpoint, you know, how do you reduce the wear and tear on Wentz? How do you reduce the amount of times he gets hit? How many times do you reduce the amount of times that he could potentially fumble or get sacked? You run the football more. Right now, Scott Turner has to go into preservation mode for this offense. I don't want him to lose a sense of aggressiveness, but right now you have to use common sense with this offense. You have to kind of rebuild back toward that aggressiveness. You've got to rebuild the confidence of the offense. You've got to rebuild the confidence of the quarterback. And you're making changes on the offensive line again. You don't know how the combination of Charles and Lucas is going to go at right on that right side. You think it's going to be okay. You don't know how good your center is going to play this week. So Scott Turner's got a lot of different dynamics he has to put into play in terms of his play calling this week. The ultimate question, Chris, is will it matter? Will Brian Robinson's return in any way, shape, or form matter for this football team? Will it pay any kind of a dividend coming up on Sunday? Because this, coming into the preseason, this might have been your second or third best offensive player behind the two wideouts mm-hmm. behind McLaurin and Dotson. And, I, and maybe you can add Curtis Samuel to that with the way Curtis has played. So this was going to be your, your you were going to, this was going to be a guy you depended on. This is going to be one of your top playmakers. You're getting him back at the quarter pole. Again, kind of like making a trade without giving up any assets. Will he, will he do just what you're hoping he will do? Not only give you an emotional lift, but will he make a play or two with the five or six touches that he may get? during the course of this week is ultimately the question. And how Scott Turner arrives at that Mm -hmm. is even the biggest question. Because right now, if I'm Scott and I go in my film room every week, I'm a little befuddled right now. Because some of the things that I did successfully the first Mm -hmm. couple of weeks, I can't do right now. Right. I can't send my quarterback back to throw. I can't look for that ball to McLaurin down the right sideline that Wentz fit in between two defenders, the corner and the safety coming over. My guy doesn't have time right now to make that throw. I can't call that play. Mm-hmm. I've got to come up with something right now that preserves my quarterback and still makes me viable on offense against this Tennessee team and keeps the ball away from Derrick Henry so they don't gobble up the time of possession on me. All of a sudden, I've had eight possessions, and we're in the fourth quarter, and we're down by a touchdown. That's not the place Scott Turner wants to be coming no. up on Sunday in the fourth quarter of this game. No. Can't afford it. No, Can't gotta, be there. you got to keep it close. You've got to be smart. You're not going to have the same run success this week that you had last week. If you're going to have run success, it's going to be, again, to the outer perimeter, behind Leno, Norwell, 
the, when they're in 12, two tight ends, John Bates run to that side, what have you, whether it's left, right, whatever. I wonder if you get more of that, by the way, with no dots in this Oh, week. I think you absolutely do. Absolutely. Just saying. And you might you might see you might see a lot of 13 too. That'd be all right. I mean against against that front. That's fine. And you know because they're going to need to run. and listen, don't listen to anyone that mm. tells you if they run for 2 or 3 yards a pop early on the first half that that's a bad thing or that that's not what they should be doing. Anyone that tells you that, I'm just I'm just sending a message. Anyone that tells you that is out of their freaking ever-loving mind. This quarterback and this offensive line and this offensive system is nowhere near good enough, nowhere near good enough to be one-dimensional and to not take what the Tennessee Titans will give them in small chunks. This is not a big chunk game. Get your small chunks to get your larger chunks later. Don't be stupid. And when you see one yard, two yard, three yard on first down in the first half on Sunday, don't buy into the Warren Sharp analytics nonsense and propaganda and everyone who subscribes to that nonsense. And I like Warren Sharp at times. And I like some of the people that subscribe to that nonsense. But... Stop being a dum-dum and thinking you can be one-dimensional when you suck in that one dimension. You know what we think. Let's find out what you think. Tennessee, Washington, Sunday. Your thoughts, who wins and how. Let us know now. 301-230-0980 or streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Chris tells us what's trending. Uh, the commander is about ready to take the practice field just a wee little bit over in Ashburn. Final tune-up of, of the week. Will they have Curtis Samuel back on the practice field? We'll find out. He's missed the last two days with an illness. Jahan Dotson has also missed the last two days. He's expected to miss this Sunday against the Titans, as we were kind of just talking about, along with Sam Cosme, Milo Eifler. Uh, all of those guys uh, expected to uh or, or have missed, I should say, the last two practices, uh, perhaps will miss Sunday's game against the Tennessee Titans, who come in certainly banged up themselves, missing Traylon Burke and uh, Everett Burks and everyone uh, uh, that we've talked about. Bud Dupree has missed practice as well. By the way, we are brought to you by All Elite Wrestling. AEW, All Elite Wrestling, hosting their final show of 2022 in D.C. tonight, live at the Entertainment and Sports Arena. For tickets, go to AEWTIX. .com, that's A-E-W-T-I-X.com or to Ticketmaster. So that's the commander's schedule. If you missed Jordan Tajani of CBSSports.com, uh, he has um, some local ties to both Washington and Tennessee. That was earlier this hour. Hit it up on the Odyssey Rewind at the Team 980. Thursday night football fallout uh, from that wretched game last night on Amazon. Garrett Bowles starting left tackle of the Broncos expected to miss the rest of the year with a broken leg and other Injuries associated uh, with that. So another tough blow for Russell Wilson. We talked about that in hour number one. Hit up the podcast again, Russell and Nedhurst at the team980.com. And the baseball playoffs begin today. That's right, they do. Yes, indeed. A quadruple header starting at 12.07. We'll keep you updated throughout the day here on the Team 980. The Tampa Bay Rays and the Cleveland Guardians, 207. Bryce Harper and the Phillies at 
Bush Stadium against the Cardinals. Seattle, Toronto at 4.07, up north of the border. And then the nightcap is at 8.07, San Diego, Juan Soto, and uh, uh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell against the New York Mets and Max Scherzer. And that's what's trending. If you want a piece of my heart, that's what the fans are saying. you got to start from the start. Washington has not been able to start from the start this season. Can they do that against Tennessee coming up this week? You've heard our analysis. It's time to get yours on this game coming up on Sunday at 1 o'clock here in beautiful. And I do mean beautiful. Yesterday as I was going to Rosecroft, there was a traffic jam so long from just after St. Barnabas Road, all the way to 202. I thought the game was last night, but no, that was in Denver. In beautiful Landover, Maryland, former home of the great Landover Mall, where I used to go with my grandmother every Saturday and eat Arthur Treacher's fish and chips. Oh, that sounds wonderful. I used to go to Farrell's, that used to be up in the Landover Mall. Used to have a great time in Landover. The people's in Kettering. The Giant and Kettering. I was there. It was my home, away from home on a Saturday. Margaret B. Medhurst used to put Peter Michael in the Chevette, and we rolled down Central Avenue like we were in a Mercedes Benz. Proud as hell, ready to go to People's so I could buy a lollipop and some baseball cards or football cards if it was football season, hoping that I would get Joe Theismann and John Riggins in that pack. But now... We got to go to Landover with no mall and just this concrete steel structure. Isn't there something on the other side of the beltway, like where the old Cap Center used to be, right? Yes. Like some sort of mall or center center something. Right. Uh, I've been over there once. Magic had some movie theaters in there. They got, but you know what they have? I bet you they have a McDonald's that has CO2 working this morning so you can get a beautiful fountain Coke for one freaking dollar. Unlike my colleagues in Upper Marlboro right now who have not had CO2 for four days. Can we get the people some CO2? How? So they don't break my heart every time they come on the drive-thru speaker and say, we don't have any fountain sodas today. I said to the guy today, I said, that's four days in a row. He started laughing. So did I. Is supply chain's that broken up? I don't know, McDonald's. McDonald's. Get the Martin Brower truck on the scene to Route 725 to my favorite McDonald's and get them a CO2 canister. That's crazy. <gasps> you suck. <laughs> you know what I was thinking of when you mentioned that earlier and now just mention it now? I remember during the summer when, you know, when it's graduation season and birthdays and, uh, you know, going off to college, see, you couldn't find helium. Like the, right. the, you know, for the Mylar balloons. Or you needed to call like days in advance to give them time. Well, to... yeah, but or there was like one place, uh, Party City, Party something or other, and they were charging like ridiculous prices because they were the only people that had the helium tanks. Yeah. And like, like Dollar Tree and Dollar Central. And this was in Ohio. This was in Virginia. You couldn't find it. You couldn't. It's amazing what has happened to our world. Let's go down to Peter in North Carolina. What's up, Peter? Oop, wait, hang on. 
I hit the wrong button. There you go. I hear him. Oh, no, that's I Steven. heard somebody. Where's Where's Peter? Peter's on line one. Oh, oh looks he like dropped. he dropped. <laughs> that's, that's why I hit the wrong button. Steven in uh, L.A.? Let's go, Steve. Yes, hey, Hi, Steve. good morning, guys. Are you uh, calling from L.A.? Yeah, good morning. I, I, yeah, I am. I oh, am. wow. I Great. know, weird. I've been in L.A. a long time, but right. I've been uh, stubborn and stupid and still <laughs> been a Commanders fan all these uh, it's, years. It's okay, brother. We, um, under, we understand. They, they appreciate painful, your loyalty, painful. man. Yeah. They appreciate your and, loyalty. And we appreciate you. Like, they, they might appreciate <laughs> or not appreciate. We appreciate you, Steve. No, I, I, I thank you, but I, I don't know how much I appreciate the current uh, uh, management or coaching staff. You know, I, I feel like that Ron Rivera, you know what he manages? He manages our expectations. He keeps on talking about, like, growth and improvement, this and that. You know, he's had three years, right? I mean, and, and um, I feel like he's, he's pulling the wool over people's eyes. I mean, is he really a good coach? I mean, look at his track record. Um, I, I think I think he's maybe you know I mean oh you see all these young coaches and they're doing a good job turning around teams in one or two years he's had three years so and, and the way that I hear him talk I'm not a you know I never played football I just just watch football but you know it goes into all these like details to show off like what he knows but I think he, maybe he's better suited as a coordinator not as a head coach right. Uh, and also as a GM, he's picking all these people that turn out to be not that good, right? And he's getting all these people, like, I mean, I, I think that he's picking players that are past their prime from, from Carolina. And, and I feel like there's a lot of cronyism going on. He's got a relative that's a coach on the team. I really do think there's a time for change. But the question is, like, who who, who are we going to get? Who, who, I don't know. I mean, what is wrong with, the commanders that they let all these people go, right? That turn out to be good coaches elsewhere. I mean, where is that problem? Who, who do we point the finger at at that issue? Well, I mean, Stephen, part of the issue, and you may find him somewhere nearby you, and that is Bruce Allen. You know, I mean, that was the guy that was essentially at the top of your pyramid at that time. Starts with him, and all of those guys probably looked at how Mike Shanahan was treated here. They all, for the most part, idolized Mike and said, well, if they're going to treat Mike Shanahan like this, I'm going to go somewhere else. And let's face it, at that time, at that time, there's a lot of young dudes, okay? There was a lot of young dudes within that group. They may not necessarily have been ready to be head coaches. McVay certainly ends up being the exception uh, because of the youth. But eventually, Kyle goes somewhere else to be a coordinator on his own without Mike. We saw the success they had in Atlanta doing that. LaFleur has gotten Aaron Rodgers, so maybe we have an overinflated view of what uh, LaFleur is, uh, certainly soon in his NFL career. Let's see what he does without Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. That might make a little bit of a difference. It is easy to criticize the organization for letting those guys go, but the guys that they went and coached were completely different than the ones they were coaching here at the time. Final hour of the show is coming up next. More of your predictions on Titans, Commanders, and we'll take a look at the baseball playoffs that get underway today. There's a lot of games, and the networks, yes, even ABC, this afternoon at 2.07, place to be for one of those baseball games. Baseball gets the spotlight with the postseason starting today 
right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Odyssey celebrates Mother's Day, brought to you by T-Mobile. You can count on T-Mobile to help you stay connected on America's largest 5G network. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.